Hello, everyone. It's good to see you. It's good to be here on a beautiful Sunday. It feels like it's been, oh, approximately five months before we can say beautiful Sunday. Um, But thank you for joining us when it is such a beautiful day outside. Um, It's so good to see you and celebrate um, Jesus with you. Wasn't worship great this morning? Thank you, worship team. It was such a... um, privilege to be led into the presence of Jesus by you. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm continuing uh, the series that Pastor Joel started last week. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, and the verses 11 to 16 uh, include this lit... Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Okay, I teach at the Bible College, and I teach about the Holy Spirit, and there's a lecture about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And at the beginning of it, I talk about the lists of gifts that are in scripture, there's three of them. But if you've ever tried to say lists of gifts consistently for about, you know, an hour, it's hard. Try it, lists of gifts. So it's just a challenge. And like to the non-English speakers, you're welcome. Like. We have some real doozies. So anyways, in this passage of scripture is a list of gifts that are commonly known as the, the five-fold ministry gifts. And Pastor Joel introduced them to us last week and talked about the function of these gifts, that they're not just a title, a person, just one person that's really good at this apostleship or evangelism or teaching that the function of these gifts is to equip the whole church for ministry, to equip all of us as the church, to be mature, to understand our faith, to understand our calling, to build up the church in love. These are directly from the notes last week. To strengthen our doctrine, to promote unity in diversity, The function of these gifts is to promote health and wholeness and growth in the church. Today, I get to continue the series, and I get to talk about pastors. And um, let's just start with the fact that the title pastor can lend some confusion to this subject, the function of pastoring. I am a pastor, I have the title pastor. Pastor Joel is a pastor, he has the title pastor. Pastor Keaton, pastors Wes and Gladys, we have the title pastor. And historically and traditionally, it's, it's one of the titles that is given the leaders of churches. But in that title, as the leader of the church, can come everything from needing to be good at leadership, good at management, good at theology, good at evangelism, good at all of these things that are different from what we're going to understand this gift of a pastor is. So from the very beginning of this message this morning, I want to I wanna separate that. That you are, we're asking you to, if you are like resonate with this gift, you know, to respond, to lean into it. That doesn't mean that you're going to get the title pastor one day. It just means you are moved and motivated and have within you 
the heart of a pastor. So there's two ways I want us to hear this service. One is, do you resonate with this? As I talk about the heart of a pastor and the function of a pastor in the community of the church, does your heart go, I love that. That is me. Yes, I want to participate. Yes, I want to do that. Yes, I already do. That's one of the ways I want you to hear scripture and the words today. And the other way is this gift is very much about building up the community of the church. It's very much focused on nurturing connection and community here. And so I want us to hear it from that place, from the place of community. What is it that the Holy Spirit might highlight in me, even if I'm not a pastor, about being in community at Northside? This topic has been a topic for several months now about restoring the foundation of community, about getting connected, about crossing the barriers that divide, about unity and diversity. And I just think it's funny that, again, I'm up here talking about this subject. It's going to sound like it's a soapbox of mine, and it, it is somewhat, but it just happens that the, the services that I line up for are this topic. And so... I ask you to hear with ears of the Spirit to what God might be leading you to in the Scripture today, because the Scripture today has a lot of opportunities for us to practice community. So this week we're talking about pastors, and uh, like I said, this title can cover a lot of things. In my week, I, I schedule things and do all of these things, but when we look to this word in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And verse 16 says, from him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This word pastor in this list, and um, if you have noticed that Pastor Joel preached on apostles last week, and I'm doing pastors this week, and that is not the order in scripture, and that bothers you, you're one of two things, an Enneagram one, or a teacher, or both. If you've noticed that that was out of order, that's because their sermon series is a little bit out of order and I wasn't supposed to preach today and it doesn't really matter. It's all there and you're going to get it all over the next few weeks. Um, but this word for pastor in this text, there are 18 usages of it in the New Testament, 18 forms of this word, and 15 of them are to understand shepherd literal shepherds. The shepherds in Luke chapter 2, the idea of Jesus as a shepherd, all of the words other than this one, all 17 times it's translated shepherd, either the literal shepherd or the capital S, Jesus as shepherd of the flock, shepherd of the church, the great shepherd of the sheep. 
17 times translated shepherd, this time, most commonly in scripture, translated pastor. So, at the foundation of the definition of this word and this calling and this function in the church is the word shepherd. Do we have any shepherds here today? Joel, I don't know if you can call yourself a shepherd. <laughs> How big are your flocks? And do you sleep with them at night? <laughs> so I was doing some studying this week, and um, it was great. There is a free resource, and if this, if if you are. If your interest is piqued by this, um, online there's the Blue Letter Bible, and it is an excellent free resource for studying scripture and understanding scripture. And if you were like even remotely, oh, I need to take note of that, also pay attention on the week we talk about teachers. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for the week on teaching. But the Blue Letter Bible, great free resource, and it outlined the biblical usage of this word. And it uses this paragraph, and it says this. A shepherd in the Near East was responsible for watching out for enemies trying to attack the sheep. So there's a, a protective care part of being a shepherd. Also, defending the sheep from attackers. So there's a, a defensive care posture. Healing the wounded and sick sheep. Finding and saving lost or trapped sheep loving them and sharing their lives to earn and develop trust. I loved that, that a shepherd, as outlined in biblical usage, had a posture of loving the flock and sharing their lives to earn trust. Isn't that beautiful? The main idea for today is that the gift of pastors is to nurture community and connection in the church. The gift of pastors from this list, the list of gifts, is to nurture community and connection in the body of Christ. They focus on love in actions of protection, care, and encouraging wholeness. Pastors nurture, and that's not just a girly word. It's a word of tending gardens and tending flocks. It's a word of protection from enemies and guarding against that which is vulnerable, guarding that which is vulnerable. The shepherds nurture the community of the church. And they demonstrate love in action. The main text for today is Romans chapter 12. It's a big chunk of text in the New Testament, and I, I, I love this section. It's a lot like reading Proverbs. So when I read it in a moment, it's disconnected phrases. It goes from practice hospitality to basically pray for everyone at all times. And in this disconnected, these statement on statement on statement, I kept reading it this week and thinking, is this the text? And should I just like pull out a couple phrases? And I decided after just sitting with it and chewing on it and praying over it, that as I read it and as we look at it today, different things are gonna stand out to different people. 
You might walk away from here with a highlighted sense of practice hospitality or not heaping burning coals on your enemies or heaping burning coals on your enemies, as scripture says. So as I read this, my prayer this week has been that ears would just be tuned into exactly what the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you because it can be entirely different for each of us as we arrive here this morning. So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse nine, it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Can you see why I say it's like reading Proverbs? They're just statements of encouragement and exhortation to the body of Christ. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And in case you're just sitting there thinking, hmm, I will talk about that in a moment. Do not be, <laughs> I used to think it was like, yeah, coals, yes. It's really not that. And part of me was disappointed when I discovered that. Um, in doing this, you will heap the part that needs Jesus all the time, all the time. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The title in my Bible for this section is actually Love in Action. The pastors watch out for and defend the flock from enemies that are trying to attack. This is the first point of four that I am making today about the pastors in the mix. The pastors watch out for and defend the flock from enemies that are trying to attack. And the first thing I want to say about this is it's not just the enemy. It's not just Satan. And if you want to know more about you know, the enemy and, and attack in that regard come tonight because tonight is all about um, deliverance and praying for the enemy's release on people's life and that kind of thing. We're not just talking about demonic enemies. We're talking about the enemies that seek to disrupt, divide, and defeat the church. And a question I like to ask of my own life and as I was considering my own life in light of the church community this week, I thought about this question, if I were an enemy of the church community, what would I be seeking to do? I think about it for my own life, if, if I was my enemy, what would, what would work? What would take me out? What would cause me to slow my roll? What would cause me to back off from my pursuit of all that Jesus would have for me personally? 
And when I looked at it for the church, if I were an enemy of the church, what, were my what would my tactics be? When you think about that question, what are some of the things that come to your mind? You're welcome to call them out if you want. I think the enemy would promote division and highlight our differences. I think the enemy would sow discord at every opportunity, misunderstanding. I think the enemy would sow disconnection and promote it like it was the best thing. So lies that would have us believing and keeping us separate and having us less than or not worthy or not able or not whatever. I think the enemy would use weapons of busyness and gossip. I think the enemy would use weapons of doubt and distraction to keep us from connection, to keep us from community, to keep us so tired or so downtrodden that we don't have the energy to go to life group or to meet with that family, to pray, to whatever it would be in community. I think the enemy's just all over that. And the pastors in the crowd are watching out for it, encouraging people, looking for ways to com communicate, communicate and connect and encourage faith in the church. Verse nine of the passage that I read, it says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And I think that when we're, we're looking at these enemies, we can look for a really, we want a really black and white list of what is evil. This is the enemy that's coming at me. I know it, I can see it, and I'm going to go this way because that is good. And so much of our faith and so much of our life is not black and white. I wish it was. But scripture says to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. And I think some of these enemies are what is evil. On our Sunday night um, teaching times, the training nights that we've been doing, there's a, a practice of prayer that is introduced in the first week. And we continue this practice of prayer throughout the weeks that we participate in it. And it is a good practice of prayer um, to carry forward, and I, I don't like it. Um, the first one is a matter of worship. I love that. The third through sixth steps are a matter of putting on Jesus, and I love that, and putting on the armor, and I love that, and taking authority over the atmosphere, all good. Do you know what the second step is? Search me, O oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the path of righteousness. Can I just say that I'm really tired of saying, search me, O oh God, and the Holy Spirit highlighting something? I don't want to come to Sunday nights. I do. I don't want to pray this prayer. I've started praying this prayer every day. Search me, O oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in your path of righteousness. 
I think that's what hate is what, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. God, search me. Highlight the gossip. Highlight the false beliefs about people. Highlight the insecurities in me. Highlight whatever it would be. Search me, oh God, that I might reject the enemies that would seek to divide, that would seek to keep me separate or away from all that you have for me. Search me, oh God. There are enemies that that we're aware of that keep us in our old ways. There are enemies that keep us in our old patterns. And this community of faith is about new patterns and new ways. We are discipled in the image of Jesus. We become more and more and more Christ-like. We lay more and 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 more of our lives down. I surrender who I am to the transformative power of Jesus in my life. And I think the enemies of church and soul are the, those that stand against that process. Whether it's loving what is evil and being leery of what is good. Or whether in verse 14 it says to bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. When we come to faith and we're discipled in this way of Jesus, there are new ways of living that are counterintuitive from the world's ways. The world would be like, yeah, persecute those who persecute you. Retaliate. Reject their words. And Jesus says, I have a new way. It's to bless those who persecute you. It's to bless and not curse. And part of our discipleship process and community is learning these new ways. And some of the enemies of church and of faith are those voices that would say, really, is that what Jesus would have you do? Really? And I think that not encouraging people to stand up to persecution is one of the ways that we have maybe failed. Because in this world, we will have trials and troubles and persecution for our new way of living. And as pastors, I do that because I really resonate with this gift as I study it and look at it resonate with three out of the five. And you can figure out which two I don't resonate with. Um, But this idea that persecution would come, we need to equip people with the ability to stand under it, to stand up against it, and to endure what is good, to choose what is good. Finally, for this point, verses 19 to 21 It's about the, do not take revenge, my dear friends. And it goes on to say, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And this is a quote from Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. And for a lot of years, I have heard it taught and understood it to mean... 
that I'm not supposed to take revenge, but God will for my account. (laughs) And that there will be heaping piles of burning coals on people who have hurt me. (laughs) And then I started to study the Old Testament in the culture that it was written in, in the time it was written in, and I heard it preached a different way, and I didn't like that, so I studied it, because one of the three I resonate with is teacher, and I discovered and have heard it taught and looked it up to mean that we are to treat a vulnerable enemy kindly. The idea here is that if a food source, um, which was fire in that day, if The enemy was hungry or thirsty or their fire went out. They were in a very vulnerable place because there wasn't 7-Eleven down the hill. There wasn't a lighter in their pocket. And if there was a low food supply or your fire went out, it wasn't an easy place. And so this proverb is saying, if your enemy is hungry, If they are thirsty, give them something to eat, give them something to drink. In so doing, you will heap burning coals on their head. And here's the metaphor, that the spark of humanity that has gone out in them, you will reignite with kindness. You will reignite that that broken place that struck you. Your kindness your demonstration of grace in the face of persecution has the power, it's not like cause and effect, but it has the power to reignite dead and cold places in them. Jesus calls us to new ways. In community, we are called to new ways, to not retaliate, to not strike back, We are called to kindness, especially if there is vulnerability. To treat a vulnerable enemy kindly is counterintuitive. And pastors look out for enemies and defend with truth and encouragement and connection and kindness and service and prayer to support those in community that need that. Point number two today, the pastors encourage wholeness through healing the wounded and sick. Pastors have a wholeness soapbox. They talk about becoming whole. They talk about healing the broken places in us, healing the wounded places in us. Verse 13 of Romans 12 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. This might be a weird transition. You're just talking about wholeness. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Yes, this does mean money and things, sharing with those who are in need. But something struck me last week when Kevin G was up here leading us in prayer for Shanghai. He said, you know, the need, the immediate need isn't money. They're asking for prayer. They're asking for prayer, and it struck me. I'm like, the immediate need isn't money, it's prayer. What does prayer cost? Time, 
What is one of the things that I can share with the Lord's people who are in need? Sometimes what we need to share is a listening ear and time. Encouraging word, our experience, our testimony. Sharing with the Lord's people who are in need is about meeting them at their point of woundedness or sickness. Not gonna go through, I'm not gonna get through all the notes if I uh, talk about every point of scripture that's on the notes, so I'm just telling you now. We're gonna skip a few. Um, In case you're looking at the online notes and you're like, whoa. (laughs) Well, whoa. We're not gonna go to all the points. (laughs) I knew that, but I just... I couldn't, I just didn't know what points we were going to highlight until I'm up here or really getting ready last night. So we're just going to do one or two points under each of them and then we'll be done. Um, But we can share our stories with one another, our listening ears, our encouraging words, our offers of prayer and connection with one another. Verse 11 of Romans 12 includes, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. If pastors encourage wholeness through wounded, uh, through healing the wounded and sick, this verse is hard. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Do you know what this requires? I used to think it just requires more and more and more and more and more time with Jesus. And then there was this one day I'm like, God, I just feel like I'm lacking zeal for you. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, yeah, you're lacking zeal in all of life. You're just tired. You're tired because you are a workaholic if left to your own devices. And shh, everybody, my family, especially online, just just shh, just stop, don't laugh, it's fine. Um... And there's just this thing that I became aware of. Part of the healing of wounded and sick means understanding ourselves, understanding the sickness. I go to the doctor and I say, my knee is sore. And the doctor goes, okay, that could be one of 18,000 things. I'm just estimating. And they ask more questions and then she pokes and prods and discovers it could be this or it could be that. Narrows it down to two. And then does some more and then figures out it's this. Great. This is how you treat it. Fantastic. And now you can go running. Healing the wounded and sick among us isn't often just a knee or a broken arm. It's a wounded soul. It's a hurting mind. And so to never be lacking in zeal and keep our spiritual fervor, we need time with God, but we also need to understand ourselves, to appreciate If I say, search me, O God, am I aware of who I am and what I've said and what I've done? Am I aware of God in the midst of my story, whether that's an hour ago or 10 years ago? Am I sensitive to what God might be bringing up when I react to this person in this way? Am I really reacting to this person or is it because of this woundedness way back here in my story? To never be lacking in zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor and serve the Lord means we need to engage in wholeness and appreciate that the community of the church and one another 
can be part of that journey. Also rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, which is definitely part of being along for the ride in, in um, encouraging wholeness. So point number two today was pastors encourage wholeness and healing in those that are wounded and sick. Point number three today, the pastors show empathy and support lost or trapped sheep. I love the word empathy, and for a lot of years, I had no idea what it meant, and then I went to counseling school. And empathy really is the ability to understand your story, not just assume I understand, but to hear you and hear your heart and hear where you're at and to empathize, to come alongside your story and understand. And pastors show empathy and they support the lost or trapped sheep, even if they are lost and trapped right here and right now. Sometimes the lost and trapped sheep aren't just those that are astray. There are parts of us that are discouraged, trapped in sickness or pain, trapped in unmet expectations or unfulfilled hopes, those that are lost that have lost joy, that have lost direction, that have lost connection and faith. When we started coming back to church and offered the um, pastoral care and, and prayer opportunities, had the opportunity in those times of prayer and connection, but also in so many times of prayer and connection to hear very similar themes that COVID had cost a lost, a loss of connection. And that loss of connection with people had produced fruit of anger and, and critical and doubt and depression and anxiety and all of these things. And getting to be one who showed empathy but also supported the coming out of and the healing of those things was incredibly powerful to witness and to be part of and to see. Verse 10 says, be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Verse 12 says to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Are you devoted to the church community? Are you devoted to the people around you? Are you devoted to people that would know if you're not here on a Sunday? Are you devoted to the community of church? Because it is so much more than 10 a.m. Sunday morning. And don't get me wrong, I love 10 a.m. Sunday morning. We start church at 10, right? Yeah. <laughs> Had a bit of a mind gap there for a moment. <laughs> 10 a.m. is important. But do we have devotion throughout the week? And finally, point number four, and maybe one of the most important, the pastors nurture love and trust in the church community. A nurturing of love and trust in the church community. I think church is a hard word to say out loud sometimes in the community out there. I get asked on Sunday mornings when I go through the Starbucks lineup, where are you off to? Or what does your day include? What are you doing? And I struggle sometimes to say I'm going to church. Because if I don't have the time 
to engage some of the reactions that come my way, I am afraid because I love the church. And God loves the church. But the church is people. <laughs> and people can do a really good job of misrepresenting the church. Pastors nurture love and connection and build a community that is safe and honoring and devoted and serving and caring and aware and healing and promoting wholeness and honor, loving sincerely, practicing hospitality, which is something that we just need to reignite, not repaying evil for evil and living with, in peace with everyone if it is possible. I asked you at the beginning to consider two ways. Do you resonate with this gift of pastors? Does your heart say, yes, I want to nurture community? If that's with one person, two people, five people, I'm just aware of the people in this room and my heart cares. That's one people. And I want to pray for anyone that's like, yes, yes. God loves the church. I love the church. Yes. And the other prayer I want to pray today is for renewed heart for community. That's my soapbox. And I'll invite the worship team to come. As we're talking about it, and I, I didn't talk about it, but practice hospitality or loving sincerely or all of the scriptures that were part of today, what stood out to you? And what is God calling you to in community? Is he calling you to renewed devotion? And what does that look like? Is he, did you, was there something that was highlighted? As I said, search me, oh God. Did God search you too? And was there a little bit of overflow where you were like, eh, okay, I'll deal with that. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for renewed heart for community. Because regardless of whether or not you have a heart of a pastor, we are in community. And we need one another. So, does anyone resonate with the heart of a pastor when we talk about gifts? Just want to put up your hand. I want to pray for you. We did this last week with the apostles, and I was not one that put up my hand. And this isn't to say that I'm going to make you leaders of life groups. But I want to, I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to tell you. But if that's you today, as I'm praying for you, just receive it. Even just open your hands to receive it. Father, I just pray for the heart of the pastor in this place. God, I speak release over people's lives to have eyes that see, to have hearts that are open, to have ears that are open. I speak Jesus over these hearts 
that want to nurture community and connection, that care about the people, that see the people of the church. I speak Jesus over those that love the church and want to be vessels of healing and wholeness. Jesus, would you increase our capacity? Would you open our ears, open our hearts, dust off any areas in our own lives that are broken or weary? That we would have a fresh encounter with you. I pray for the gift of pastors to increase. That our community community would be one that is marked by community. And Father, I pray for everyone else, all of us. I pray for all of us, God, as we listen to scripture, as we consider your presence, as we even heard songs about speaking Jesus over all of these things. Every area that you've highlighted today, God, I just, I, I surrender it to your to your leading and your guidance, your presence, your healing, your mercy, your life, your freedom, your redemption, your salvation, Jesus. Every area of community that has suffered damage and loss, whether it was in recent history or times past, God, I speak healing and freedom to community in this place, that we would see new connection, that we would see new hospitality, that we would see new hope and faith arise. And I pray for any lost or stuck sheep. I pray, God, that you would do what you can do and that you would give us heart to do what you want us to do, to be a welcoming community that reaches and restores and releases. God, would you accomplish your heart in this place today? In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.